Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome back to the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's episode, we are headed to New Orleans to speak with Sandy Rosenthal. Sandy is the founder of the nonprofit Livis.org. She's also the author of the five-time award-winning book, Words Whispered in water. So my dear Sandy, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited. Thank you for your presence. I actually went to New Orleans. It was like maybe 25 years ago and I loved it. It was before Katrina. And I remember going to Pat O'Brien's, the musicians on the street. So Uh, It was something that I can't forget. What is your favorite thing about New Orleans? I would say that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, we in New Orleans just want you to have a good time. We want you to have fun. We want you to feel welcome. And, And you walk up to any New Orleanian and ask any question, they will be happy not only to answer your question, but probably t- take you there if you're lost. I remember that I people were so nice. And uh, Sandy, you founded the nonprofit Livis.org. Can you tell us quickly what Livis are and why are they important to New Orleans? Certainly. So um, most everyone in in the world who was old enough to be watching television was watching the Levy Breach event on August 29, 2005. But the problem, the challenge is few few of them really know why those levees broke. Uh, They they think it might have been monster storm or they think it might have been because New Orleans is below sea level. Uh, or, or any other reasons, uh, the list goes on. But the real reason is because the government of the United States is responsible for the levee breach event. And so I felt it was my responsibility to reach out to everyone old enough to watch television and, and set the truth straight and set the story straight because it was the worst civil engineering disaster in the history of the United States. So in your opinion, what could have been done before this disaster happened? What could have been done? The, uh, and I also do want to point out that, that another driver to start my organization and write the book is we 
the people who suffered were the ones being blamed for the disaster. We were being blamed either for living here in the first place or for moving back here after the after the evacuate after the, uh, the the city was dewatered. So we were being blamed for that, and that was the other m main reason which I felt I needed to add. So so that's a very good question. Well, what should have been done? Uh, how had history been happened differently? Would New Orleans have been saved? And the answer is yes. Had the Army Corps of Engineers properly designed and built their levees and flood walls, they would have held. And you, Lucia, would never have heard of Mayor Ray Nagan or would never have heard of the Superdome, maybe, or uh, where the, the, the shelter of last resort. It, the uh, Hurricane Katrina would have been a mild, moderate hurricane uh, had those levees held. Mm -hmm. And they did not. So uh, had the Army Corps done its job right, and the reason the Army Corps did not is because they failed to uh, get outside opinions of their work. So they would design their levies, but they wouldn't invite anyone outside their organization to double check their calculations and double check their studies to make sure that they were right. And it was a cost saving gesture. It's to save money at the cost of lives, at the cost of over 1,500 lives. Yeah, I remember when it happened. I think everybody remembers this day. This day was unbelievable. Lucia, uh, last week was the 110th anniversary of the Titanic disaster, last Friday, just about a week ago. And people are still talking about the Titanic. Well, it is my expectation that um, 100 years from the levee breach disaster, people are still talking about it. That's what I expect. That's what I hope. Yeah. These uh, loss of lives cannot be forgotten. Never. And the loss of lives after the Titanic disaster, um, laws were changed so that nothing like that could happen again. Boats aren't allowed to sail with, with only enough lifeboats for the wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, Boats are not allowed, ships are not allowed to turn off their radio for the night. Had the radios been on, the distress calls would have been heard and, and more people could have been saved. And the list goes on and on of how you, me, and all of us are safer because of what happened that night on the Titanic 110 years ago. And similarly, with the levee breach disaster, all of us are safe. Uh, because of changes that were made uh, to levy building and changes were made to by Congress to make the people safer. Be um, I, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but almost two thirds of the country in the U.S. are protected by levies. Oh, wow. So we're all safer now because of what happened to the folks of New in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. Sandy, can you tell us why? you started this foundation. What does your foundation do, actually? What does the, my organization do? Yes. Okay, that's a very good question. With, with a mission of education, you know, how do you do that? And it's a variety of ways. The one of them we've already touched on is the book, which was written for one reason only, to get the word out about why the levees broke. I certainly didn't not do that because it was fun. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. So there's the book. Uh, we also have a, um, a it's called a flooded house museum where we took a house that was near the site of a levee breach event and we purchased it and, and, and um, preserved it 
And it is now a museum for anybody that wants to understand the levee breach event in New Orleans. I mean, fortunately, I'm grateful. People arrive at Louis Armstrong Airport in New Orleans with the desire to understand the breach event. And this is something that they can do uh, to, to satisfy their craving for knowledge, which I am very grateful for. We also have um, plaques vetted and fact-checked by the Louisiana Office of Historic Preservation. And we have set these plaques at the major breach sites to educate, you know, to help people understand. Uh, we do an annual uh, levee breach bike tour and, 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 and other things that we do because I won't be, I won't be around forever. And uh, my organization uh, does these things to make sure that the word will be carried on for our children and our children's grandchildren. Uh, that's excellent. Thank you. And you then wrote words whispered in water. Can you tell us what this book is about? I was reading the reviews and they are excellent. You have over 130 reviews, all I think five stars. So tell us more about this book. The, the reason the book even exists is because a very valued advisor of levy.org picked up the phone and called me. And some people still do that these days, call us on the phone. And he called me, this would be six or seven years ago now, and told me, he said, Sandy, you need to write a book. And I said, I know, I know, but it's just so hard. I mean, how do, where do you begin? But I, but his name is Mr. Ken McCarthy and I said, okay, I will. And I did. And it did take me five years to write, um, but I am glad that I did it. And uh, the book now is uh, up to seven awards, which I'm very proud of. And my favorite um, testimonial or my favorite um, uh, compliment of the book is that it reads like a Grisham novel on a summer beach in Pensacola. And that, I, I like that because I did not, it was not my intention to write a textbook, a boring old textbook. It was my intention to write something that, that people could relate to, that people could learn, but also enjoy and not feel like they were pushing themselves to read. So that was my favorite testimonial. Uh, the, the, uh, what's prompted me to start levies.org, my entire organization, was actually an argument. I got into a rather heated argument with a member of Louisiana, a resident of Louisiana, that's the state that I'm from. And when I told this gentleman from mid-Louisiana that I was uh, a victim of the levy breach event, and had the levees been properly built, they would have held, he told me, no, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. Katrina was a huge storm. And, and, and if Katrina didn't break those levees, another one would have. They were properly built. And, and you are, are the problem. You shouldn't have been living there. And you don't deserve help. He actually said this to me. So I went and I picked up my keys. Um, I was there. Um, it's, I describe it more in more detail in the book. But my presence at this event was such that had I left I would have, it would have caused an uproar. It would have been a problem. So I held up my keys and I said, uh, I, I want an apology. I'm going to be, I'm going to leave right now. And he said, I'm sorry <laughs> to his credit. 
And he was better behaved for the rest of the day. But that event opened my eyes that if he felt this way and he lives in Louisiana, that's very near where I lived. Uh, he lived maybe two, three hours away. What about someone from California or Maine or Oregon or, or Michigan? What are, what are they thinking? And that's what pushed me to start the organization levies.org. And I don't know the gentleman's name. I have not been in touch with him, but I have to thank him if I ever do see him. Yes, sometimes these are the things that push us to do things. Mm -hmm. Anger is actually a very good motivator. Yes. Anger. The challenge is channeling it. But anger is a very good motivator, I believe. I agree with you, Sandy. And what do you hope readers will take away from reading your book? It is my sincere hope that people reading my book will come away with two things. One, with the true story about the levee breach event. But the other thing I hope they come away with is the realization that they too can right a wrong in their neighborhood or their community or their town or their city or heck, even the United States or, or the world uh, for that matter. All it takes is a belief in what you're doing and a will to make a change. And I, if I could do it, I had no special training, no special gifts at, at all. If, if anything, I had gifts, uh, if, if anything, I hope we edit that out. I have things that prevented me, you know, things that um, made it harder for me, not easier for me. And still, um, I, I was able to succeed with the help of many, many, many people. And if I could do it, anyone can do it. Uh, and, and, and just moving, segueing just a little bit, nothing I did, I did alone, except maybe the idea to start the organization. And I had a maybe a couple of epiphanies on my own. Uh, I describe in more detail about this in the book, but it was me who discovered that the Army Corps of Engineers was sitting at their computers at work and posting vicious comments about me and my organization online at the local newspaper. And I did this using IP addresses. And for those of your listeners who don't know what an IP address, it's basically caller ID. You know, you look at your phone, you see who's calling you, that's caller ID. Well, they have something with computers that works like a caller ID. And I was able to see using backend tools available to any amateur blogger that the Army Corps of Engineers was going after me. It's not illegal, but it was very, very embarrassing for the Army Corps of Engineers when they were caught. Okay, so yeah, so I did that. I, I caught that, but getting the word out about it, I had help doing. So there were just a couple of things that I did myself, but believe me, uh, ch changing, uh, making a change in your community, it, no one can do it alone. You know, you need it with other people, other experts. And the beauty is that once you open up your mouth and try to get the truth out, the people with the expertise will come to you. Yes. Like, an attorney may come to you with legal advice or, or an engineer may come with engineering advice or an artist may come and offer to draw posters for you or a, um, a media specialist will come and help you with social media. You know, these people will come and they will offer their advice pro bono. So you can change the world. You can. And that's, that's what I hope people uh, take away after reading my book. It's difficult, but it's not impossible, as you said. Mm -hmm. 
it's not impossible and it won't happen in a day. Um, and and I, I can I can say this, no matter how long you think it's going to take, it's going to be a little longer. And and how hard you think it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit harder, but it's very doable and and very, very rewarding and satisfying. Oh, and the people you meet. Oh, I'm so enriched by all the people, the new friends I've made with this wonderful work. Yes. And also, Cindy, I'm so proud of you. You also have a podcast. <laughs> so your podcast is called Beat the Big Guys. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. And I just uh, just yesterday recorded my 41st episode. Wow. And what happens on your show? Well, uh, in my podcast, I coach listeners on how to beat the big guys in their own neighborhood. So every episode, I have either a, a an expert or I have somebody who's beat the big guys in some form of fashion in their community, and they get on and they tell their stories, and then we talk about how how interesting it is how all the all the big guys are, are kind of operating with the same playbook. They're using the same tricks and tools, and uh, we teach them how to understand those tricks and tools, and then and then and then give the listeners tools that they can use to to work with the big guys. And each story is different. Each one is fascinating, and it's so much so much fun, really, uh, discussing and helping people how to beat the big guys because you know the big guys they they don't have a heart like people like community people do and when when you live in a community your heart is for your community but the big guys which might be an oil company a big chemical a big petro or or um you know or or a, a big box a big box um, moving into your community and then shutting down all the mom and pop organizations they all just punch a time clock and go home and their heart isn't what they're doing but when you get a community with a heart behind beating the big guys, uh, just absolutely amazing things can happen. So that's the focus of the, the podcast called Beat the Big Guys. And I've just completed season four. I will be subscribing. And you seem very, very passionate about civic activism. So Sandy, why is, is it important for you to coach others about it? While I was uh, being interviewed, uh, for example, like, like I'm being interviewed today, I always felt like I wasn't answering the questions and talking about the things that I wanted to talk about. And no offense, no, no offense to you, Ms. Lucia, no offense. But it, after 15, 16 years, I felt like I was answering the same questions over and over and over. And I was aching at, with the desire to help other people do the work that I did. Uh, again, I had no special training and I managed to do what I did. And so I really wanted to help others do this. And so now I feel like I'm, I'm giving back. Uh, I, I, I feel that I've had, I feel that I've had success. And I feel that I've met many new friends and I feel like my life is better because of the work that I did. And it's a way to, to give back that is actually very rewarding for me to watch it happen to do this. It's a dream come true for me. And Sandy, would you like to leave a message to our listeners? Yes. Uh, beware whenever you hear wind and water being blamed for catastrophe. Beware, oh, it was the storm. Oh, it was the wind. 
uh, oh, it was the tornado. Um, beware when you hear that, because human beings are always hiding behind those words. Okay. And then secondly, uh, be careful to believe the, the words written within the first day or two after a disaster, because most of the initial reporting will be wrong. Okay. If not all of it will be wrong. Uh, have some patience with the media and allow a little time for the true stories to come through. Uh, one of the things that media does, especially big media, is they tend to cling to a romantic first story and they tend to not advise, revise the story as new information comes through because it's not as interesting that they are trying to appeal to the audience. So, um, so those are my two, two uh, words of caution to my audience, but, but uh, to your audience, not my audience, your audience. <laughs> no and, <laughs> and we'll share. And, uh, and then on a, on a bright note, as I don't want to be all about caution and, 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 and negativity, you know, on a bright note, uh, you can beat the big guys. And um, with, so long as you are surrounded by experts and, and help and friends, which will happen, it'll happen on its own as soon as you up, open your mouth, you can succeed and you will. Mm, this is so inspiring. Thank you so much for these wise words, Sandy. Very welcome. De nada. Obrigada. Obrigada. <laughs> yes, very well. And Sandy, where can we find your book and, of course, you online? Well, my book uh, is on Amazon.com and, and it, it's sold at the major bookstores, the, uh, and also an audio version and a Kindle version. And as for the work that I'm doing, you can um, just log on to a, it's a very easy, easy uh, name, levees.org, L-E-V-E-E-S dot O-R-G. When my son and I started the organization 17 years ago, almost 17 years, no one had even heard of a levy. Before no one even knew the, knew the word to describe levy breach, breaches or breaking before, and these these URLs were readily available, and so we just picked one up. And now you, now I couldn't, I would have to pay money uh, to get one of these URLs today. Mm -hmm. But yes, that that's how to find out about more about my book and my work. And thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Keep doing what you're doing, Sandy. Keep doing it and keep writing and keep helping people because I'm sure you are so happy after doing these, all these things. It must be a very good sensation. Yes, it is. It is. And I, and I, I promise you, I, will, I won't give up. And you know that you are always welcome to the Relatable Voice. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.